so follow your heart follow your conviction because you you're the person who knows why you uh, you're the person who knows why you started the business in the first place it's always good to pivot right and take mm. real feedback and change i'm not asking you to be rigid but i think if there's one thing you can be rigid about it is telling people hey i'm going to follow my conviction i'm going to follow my heart so that if i mm. lead a life and fail I, i can always get up and change course and be successful but i never want to live with the regret that i didn't start in the first place because i think that's a number one reason when people are on their deathbed i why did i listen to people more and why didn't i listen to myself right i would say just listen to you you have a short life it's just mm. 60 70 years of quality life go pursue your dream that's the best thing you can do to yourself and for the community because you are creating something that will impact Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has built several businesses to seven and eight figure business or companies as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And on that note, if you ever need any help, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help you with your patents and trademarks. Now, today we have another great guest on the episode. Uh, and I'm I'm still nervous. I asked how to pronounce her name, but I'm still worried I'm going to mess it up. But Ruchika is, I think, pretty close to what or to the name. Um, and Ruchika, she has um, a year before she was graduating from um, her MBA program. She was um, kind of doing an internship. Internship didn't feel like it was fulfilled. Learned a lot, but didn't want to do that for a career. And um, had some mentorship and opportunities. Took some different classes. And once she graduated, went to um, I think to Canada. Had an offer from Dell, which is you know a name recognized company and a, a big company. And decided not to take it. And uh, decided to go a different direction and go to where she's at today. So she'll give a whole lot more background. But with that much of an introduction, welcome onto the podcast. Wow, thank you Devon. I think you already summed it up very beautifully. I don't think I have to say anything more. Yeah. All right, then we're done. We'll just walk out on a high note now. So, I gave just a brief, brief introduction, but maybe kind of walk us back to you're in the MBA program kind of going through that and how the internship played in, how you kind of figured out where you're going to going in the mentorship and we'll have a good discussion from there. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so as you just said, I interned with Dell uh, during my summer of 2019. So that's a mandatory internship that you have to do between your first and second year of MBA. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. I, I learned a lot personally and professionally. I got a couple offers from the company, um, and when, and then I came back to join my second year of MBA. While I had a couple offers, I was really thinking about what I. really want to do in the future right like where my sweet spot is and that's something that i've always been um uh i would say passionate about you know finding out and i was like yeah although the internship felt successful i think i need more fulfillment from what i do long term at so the same me, time now, and let me dive in just a question to follow up on that because so because it's you know and i would put it and i there's a lot of different ways that you can tackle fulfillment right fulfillment can mean hey i'm not getting paid enough and i i don't feel like i'm undervalued it can mean hey i'm getting paid fine but it's not the type of work that really excites me and gets me out in bed it can be hey i found out and you know i did a both an mba degree and a law degree and i had a lot of uh, friends that were in in law school they graduated and said i don't want to be an attorney i don't like being a, law- a lawyer anymore they actually went a different direction so when you talk about fulfillment and you're, you know kind of doing that cuz i think there's a lot of people that say 
I'm not fulfilled, but I don't really can't really put my finger on why I'm not fulfilled. I'm just not excited. So maybe, you know, kind of when you dived into that, what was it that wasn't fulfilling or what kind of prompted the, you know, hey, I don't want yeah. to go back and do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say money was not a problem. I mm. was, in fact, if I had joined the company, I would be getting paid enough mm. compared to what I'm getting paid now starting my own company, right? Because businesses mm. take time to uh, ramp up. And I loved my MBA journey. And I've, I, th I think I have, I mean, I was an engineer before, but if I had been given a choice, I would have really gone into business right from my bachelor's, right? So that was not a problem at all of mm. thinking about, oh, I did not want to pursue a management degree or anything like that. So second, the second point that you said was exactly the reason why mm. I said I did not find fulfillment. And that's because uh, although I had first and third, I just felt like it's not the kind of work I want to do for the future, right? Mm. I, since I was in my undergrad, I had always wanted to be a social entrepreneur. Impact and, you know, uh, making a difference in people's lives was always the number one thing I had wanted to do. In fact, I was looking for an internship where I had an opportunity to do that upfront. Mm. And when I thought I could create a career for myself, where I could give myself an opportunity to do that. If companies are not, then why not I just pursue a career, right? And I think mm. that's, the, that's the reason I said I, I did not feel fulfilled in the work that I was going to do in the future. And I want to do something that I felt strongly about. I've always been that human where, you know, I have followed my conviction over my conventions or over the conventions of society. And that's the reason, uh, yeah. And maybe this is a side note, but one that I think is interesting as well, because if you look at some of the studies for a long period of time, you know, job was, if you're to take the, you know, the baby boomers, the 1940s, 50s, even 60s, and more recently, they, they were, they would go to work for, for one company, they would be a lifer, and they'd do that. Then you had a transition to, hey, we're going to have a few different careers, we're probably not going to stay with one company or whole career, but we're still going to kind of look to move up the ladder. What's been interesting, I think, if, if you're to go read some of the studies on that, is that, now you're actually getting for a generation to where they're willing to take a lower pay, but want to have that fulfillment. But you're also having bigger companies and bigger businesses that are, have, are struggling to figure out how to provide that fulfillment such that they'll get the best talent in the sense you'll have, you know, a lot of tech companies. If you go to Silicon Valley, they'll try and have, you know, free food and ping pong tables and dual monitors and all the fun things. And they're finding that, you know, that gets people excited for a little bit of time, but then people are still leaving because they're not fulfilled. So I think it's an interesting dynamic shift that people are now saying i'd rather have an impact and be fulfilled even if it's not as high a paying that's true and dell is a great company really i mean if one had to pursue a corporate mba job it's a great place to be in right mm. but it's not something that drives me for me i think money is a second or a third motivator the first motivator is finding the job that i want to do and since I'm a people person, I really find fulfillment in roles that allow me to interact with people and change their lives day to day. Mm. The role in Tell was not probably giving me that chance day to day, right? I mean, I, I was in a management role and I did not have full authority over what I could do day to day and how I could impact lives. I'm sure I would be doing it at a corporate level, but doing mm. it at an individual level means much more to me. So now diving now, so now you kind of moving forward, but you have this realization, right? You know, this one's not going to be for me. I'm not, I'm just not going to get the fulfillment long-term and I could the career that I want. So then, you know, how did you, did you say, okay, I made, or you had that realization, let's jump right into doing my own startup or how did you kind of move from, okay, maybe Dell's not the right thing. Was it, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I might as well do my own. Or did you look at other companies? How did you yeah. kind of make that transition to, 
if this Dell isn't going to be the right or big business isn't going to be fulfilling, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Great question. So uh, to answer your question, I did not interview for a single company that came on campus for the second year. So it was not just Dell. Mm. There was Amazon and there was Microsoft and there were mm. like all the way companies that come on campus. And my friends were actually pushing me to recruit. They were like, why don't you just sit for an interview and see how it goes? And I'm like, I don't think I want to work for a corporate job. Right. I don't want I don't see myself being there and I don't want to be pushed. So I want to try and establish my own startup. So what I did was uh, instead of spending time practicing recruiting and spending time talking and networking, right, which is a very important aspect of MBA recruiting. What I did was I started taking courses and creating courses with my favorite professors and researching more about this area where I'm now. Right. Like, how mm. do I launch my company and how do I launch my company in the mentoring um, sector? So I spent my entire second year of MBA doing that and I saw I was making progress and more than that, you know, there were a couple of things that I think further propelled me to pursue this career. First, I had this wonderful opportunity to be a mentor, an MBA mentor to first year year MBAs in my school itself. So I got a real hand or a first hand opportunity to see if I like it or not. Right. And I loved it. Whenever I used to mentor my students, my first year uh, classmates, I used to lose sense of time I was like I set up a meeting for 30 minutes and I'm going on for like one and a half hours wow I mean this is something really neat and I think where I want to be in right mm. and and then the second thing was um I mean let's just stop let's just stop at the first thing because I think that that was the prime motivation where I was like okay this is my sweet spot I have tested it out I love it I don't want to recruit and spend time there I rather would spend time forming the company and learning much more so I did a lot of info interviews with people in my industry and learned the ropes of it, I would say. Yeah. So you basically, you did cut the cord to said, Hey, I'm not going to go interview for anybody. I'm going to, I am going to do my own thing. Now walk me through, cause you kind of, you know, how did you land on wh- where you're at with the business today of, Hey, this is where I'm going to do it. You know, how did you, how did you figure out that was your passion or, cause I mean, I think that's the struggle that some people have, right. Yeah. They're saying, okay, I'm not fulfilled. I don't want to do this, but I also don't really know what I want to do. And so how do I, you know, so I guess I better keep working in the job that I'm at now until I figure out where I want, you know, what will fulfill me. So how did you kind of, you know, you, you touched on it, but how did you kind of yeah. find this is where I will be fulfilled or this is where I want to put my time, you know, time and effort on because I think it'll provide that. How did you kind of come to that realization or arrive at that? Sure. Yeah. So for me, I was lucky to have been chosen as an MBA career coach to first year MBAs. Hmm. and uh, where I could, as I said, could test out if I really loved it. And the second thing was, since since I was young, I had always wanted to be a teacher. Hmm. And if I not did my MBA, actually, I would, I would have wanted to pursue a degree in psychology, right? Hmm. So when I was doing this mentoring thing, I there were three things, right? I realized like I could really be a teacher in the way that I could mentor, not, not I would not advise, but help hmm. a person understand themselves better, right? So I could be a teacher, I could be a psychologist because uh, being a mentor, being an MBA mentor, gave me the chance to really you know, dive deep into a person and help them find the answers for themselves. Many times students struggle because they kind of don't know what the strengths are, right? And there are a lot of latent strengths to, to their personality and it allowed me to do that. And so while I was doing this role, I found like, wow, I have always wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a psychologist for some time. And this really gives me a chance to fulfill all of those innate, uh, I would say innate uh, drives inside me, right? And so, mm-hmm. and I, I, as I said, I was losing sense of time. I was loving it. So why not just go ahead and do everything or do things that I have always wanted to do 
in a field that I have loved since a year, since I was doing it for a year, right? Mm. And it gives me, uh, or it gives me the power to be in a place where I can directly, as I said, directly influence lives. So be a change maker. Because I said I wanted to be a social entrepreneur always. I just didn't know which area I wanted to be in. I got this wonderful opportunity. I found the right fit. That was my sweet spot. I've used, I was using my competencies. I was using my passion. And there was a dire need in this area. And so I was like, okay, let's just go ahead and build it. So yeah, uh, I did have to struggle a lot to find where I wanted to land. So, no, and I, and I think that that, you know, I think that it's oftentimes we glide, or gloss over that too quick. Oh, yeah, it took me a little while and then I figured out this and I've loved it ever since. But it's, it, it is that struggle that I think everybody goes through that, you know, if you find a job that you're excited and fulfilled with, great. For a lot of, you know, and that it took me a while and I love what I do now. And it, it's been, I love running my own business. And I think it's been a great opportunity. But I think, you know, it took me a while to figure out in my career exactly what I wanted to do. And I think that that's a struggle. But now yeah. let's say we figure it out. We say, okay, this is where I want to put my time, money, and effort. This is where my passion is going to be. How, you know, so now you dive into it, you start building it, you start working that out. Was it all, you know, all fun times and games and everything else and everything went perfectly? Was it still a bit of a struggle and figuring it out? Or how did that go once you kind of said, this is where I want to focus on? Right. So it's been a long journey. I think I started um, August, September of last year. So it's been almost one year and three months. Uh, while I was in the MBA program until April of this year, I was doing it part-time, right? And it was hmm. all good. I was learning. I was doing a lot of interviews to learn more about this area. I was a mentor and I just loved everything. Uh, April came and I finished my MBA program and I had decided I would not go for a full-time job. So I kind of, you know, uh, turned that down. And then I focused full-time to develop this business. When I say that, I mean, writing out the business plan, uh, building the website from scratch along with my, along with the help of my husband and all of that, right? And again, it was not rosy. It was a lot of hard work, but mm. I think uh, I pulled it off and I was very excited to just launch it, right? And then August came, August 13th, 2020, I launched it. Now, when I launched it, I realized, well, building a business or starting a business is quite easy compared to running a business. I had mm. to think about a lot more things uh, beforehand that I probably did not because it's the first time I was doing or I was an entrepreneur. And so there were definitely challenges, I would say, after I launched. For example, the biggest challenge that I feel or uh, that I encountered or I wish I could, you know, have, have done that better was finding a team. So mm. I was a one woman show and I thought I could just run with it. And soon I realized, no, being an entrepreneur means being pulled in 10 different directions or 15 directions every day. And if I'm doing all of that by myself, I'm not making a good progress in any one direction that I needed to. Mm. So those are some of the challenges and we can talk more about that if you would look, if you, if you, if you would like to know that. But yes, I would say starting a business is very easy, guys. Running a business takes a lot more. <laughs> No, and I like that distinction. I mean, and I would kind of have, you know, put that even one step. So I work with, you know, intellectual property, attorney, patent, and trademarks. I work with a lot of startups, small businesses, inventors. And one of the things that you find is, you know, there are a lot of people that have great ideas. And, you know, to have the idea, contrary to, I think, what a lot of people think, having good ideas isn't that hard. I mean, you if you spend some time, you can probably come up with a decent idea executing on the idea and actually building it is where the difficulty comes, right? So you can figure out, hey, this would be, I think this would be a great business and it probably is a good business, but now how you execute, how you build the business, how you be, get the team, how you get the funding is not that easy. And that's where I think the difference between people that build something successful versus those that are always kind of someday type of an in mentality changes. 
But the one other question I was going to ask is, you know, one of the other fears that people have as they dive into doing their own thing and kind of what crossroads you would have had is, you know, if you're looking at Dell and going back to him or any of those bigger opportunities, that's a secure income, right? You know, you're going to have a paycheck, you know, money's going to come in. Was it a bit scary or nerve wracking as you did dive into your own thing and start to build it to say, till money starts flowing in, this is a net, you know, I'm putting money in, I'm not getting a paycheck. How did you do with that fear? How did you kind of overcome that as you were do, or, you know, as you were dealing with getting the business up and going? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that, Devin. I think a lot of people abandon their ideas for that fear. And Mm -hmm. if you ask me, you can never overcome that fear. I think you have to live with it. And I wouldn't call it fear. It's a challenge. Like you have to learn as an entrepreneur, you have to learn to see challenges as opportunities and not fear, right? Mm. For example, doing an interview and even doing this podcast, I wouldn't say I was not nervous initially, not, you know, thinking about Mm. it, but you kind of have to run with it and be like, oh, this is a great opportunity for me. Why don't I see it like that? Right. So Mm. for me, uh, there was a blessing for sure that my husband is a full-time employee and he's a software engineer. So income is was not a deal breaker for me. I was not the one who was, you know, running the family or had to, right? Mm. So that was definitely a peace of mind there. But even though I had something or I still have something in place in terms of my finances, there's so much pressure as an MBA to just start earning as soon as possible, not from family, but from relatives and friends and society expectations, right? And so that's a difficult thing to deal with. So I would say uh, a couple of fears that people have uh, are first is rejection, mm. uh, rejection of the idea, rejection of what people would tell, uh, you know, tell about your idea or what would people talk about you behind your back, right? And there are times when I've heard people uh, disbelieving me and being like, hey, you can try it for some time, but you know, you'll have to come back to the corporate job because... It's, mm. it's not easy to be an entrepreneur, right? And I think well, that's- I'd, I'd even add on, the, not to uh, hijack it, but I think that there's also a fear that if you fail, everybody's going to say, see, I told you so. Like, you couldn't do this. Like, you you, you did fail and you made the mistake and you have to kind of, you're always a bit living with that fear that at some point people, you are going to have that I told you so type of mentality that you're going to have to go and deal with people, kind of almost that shame that you alluded to. Exactly. And see, uh, I mean- in, in a business, I would say money does not come real quick. And that, that's not the purpose of doing a business because every business has an underlying need. And until mm. you totally fulfill that need and you, you know, you advertise and people are aware of it, it takes time. But once it runs and is, you know, afloat, I think you would probably earn more money than you would be earning in a corporate job. But then it needs a lot of patience and people should be willing to, you know, wait for it. It's not an overnight success. I mean, businesses are never an overnight success. People would call it when they see it successful, but it takes so much of sweat and hard work and passion to kind of continue to follow it. So I would just say, like, um, don't listen to people. I mean, people will always talk about you, whether good or bad. You have to believe in yourself and you have to always go back to the why. Why did I start this, right? Was there a real need? Was I really passionate about this? And if you have that why with you, I think you can continue the journey and you don't really have to worry too much about money coming in because it will come. Someone told me this. They said, don't worry about money. Money will run after you if you do a good job. And I think I totally believe in that. And Mm. uh, yeah, and I'm in a happy place. I would choose a job anytime. No, I think that's cool. And I think that even sometimes you do fail. Sometimes your first business does is, but you learn a lot of things. And a lot of times you say, okay, I found, I did fail. I can pick myself back up and I'll go to the next thing or I have to pivot and, you know, kind of overcoming that failure of sometimes, 
you know, you do, you do fail and it's okay. And let's get back up and keep going at it is, you know, it's a good lesson to learn. And I don't know, you know, I've, I've been doing my own, own businesses for a while. And I don't know that that fear ever completely goes away. You always kind of, you know, every time you have to make payroll, every time you have, you know, a new client that comes in or an old client that leaves or anything else, you always worry, Hey, is, is it, you know, is this the day that it's going to kind of all fall apart? And I think he is, you know, just part of the, things that you have to embrace as being your own business is, Hey, this is going to, you know, there, there's always a degree of uncertainty that you're just going to have to accept. But I, I almost think to your point is, you know, I always looked at it as, you know, there's a false sense of security with a big business in the sense that you can get laid off. They can downsize. They, yeah. they're not indestructible either. And so just because you work the big business doesn't mean that you're, you have a secure job. And to some degree, if you do your own business, then you can at least captain your ship. You can control whether or not what happens much to a much larger degree than working with a big business. And I could go, we could go on about that for forever, but now if we were to jump, you know, so let's jump forward. So now you, you, found where your passion is. You built that. You've got the website up. You've got things going. Kind of where do you see the next six months, 12 months? Kind of where's the direction of the company headed and where do you see it going? Right. So I I intend to take this in a couple of directions. Not sure which one will work out the best, but right now what I did was I did hire a couple of people in my team. Uh, I mean, I took a lot of time to hire because I think that's one of the most important decisions you can make as an entrepreneur, right? Having your first mm. few employees or team members as, as the best that you can find. So I did that. And with them, I think I've built a lot more momentum, momentum now. So a couple of directions um, that I see myself going are the first is talking to these MBA business schools in the US and seeing how Care on the Raft can really hmm. replace their traditional recruiting system, right? So we all have career services in, in our MBA schools. And there is a pattern that career services follows in helping MBA students recruit. I really hmm. want Get on the Raft to replace that because I think Get on the Raft does it in a very authentic way, helps people uh, you know, identify their strengths that they perhaps had never had the opportunity to identify, bring their whole hmm. selves to the interview process and feel very comfortable in their own skin. And these are the things that I really feel a lack in a traditional MBA recruiting system. So I see Get on the Raft really, you know, replacing, um, as I said, replacing this whole process in MBA schools. And the other direction that I see, uh, you know, going in the future, maybe this is a long-term plan, but also uh, influencing how HRs recruit from companies. One reason that students do recruiting the way they do is because there's a lot of insane pressure to do it that way, to stick to the norms, right? To, mm. to do it in a cookie cutter approach. And that's not really helping either party, the company or the candidate. So I really also want to impact the way recruiting is done from the company and setting the right expectations then and there. Mm. No, I, I, that's uh, certainly a good direction to go and certainly makes sense. So well, as we now, you know, always more things and I could dive, you know, it's just a fun and it's kind of a, a little bit of a kindred spirit in the sense that I did MBA school. And, you know, I think I always laugh because, you know, I did one, it was, it was an interesting dichotomy. I did law school, which is very analytical. You have to per, support your evidence. You have to lay out the case. And then I go to MBA school and I'd say, oh, this seems a lot more fluffy. Like it's a lot more kind of esoteric, high level, theoretical kind of here's, you know, things to think about. And so I always joked, you know, I figured that about 50% of MBA school I, I thought was useful. And the other thought I, or other, I, I felt like I could throw away. And then a law school is kind of the same thing. If 50% was good and the other I could throw away. But in both cases, I think that until you actually get out and start doing it, you know, one of the other things that you always hear is that people say, 
that they, you know, I don't have an MBA degree. I don't have a business degree. I can't go start my own startup. And I'd say, hey, you know, MBA, MBA school is great. And I you learned a lot. On the other hand, there is no replacement for going out and starting it on your own because yeah. you learn a whole lot more doing it that way, whether or not you have a business degree than you'll learn in school. So, well, as we wrap up, and there's always more things to talk about and time to talk about it, we'll jump to the last two questions I always uh, hit on at the end of the podcast. So first question I always ask is, um, within your journey, what was your worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Huh, interesting. Um, again, like I honestly, I don't want to call it the worst decision because I think every failure puts you in the direct path of success. Had I not undergone that phase, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I would say, as I maybe touched upon it earlier, having mm. a team. I wish I had known that I would need a team to run this and this is not going to be a one woman show, right? Mm. I wish I had hired them before I launched so that I would have the right set of people to work and take this on and maybe ramp it up uh, mm. tenfold. So I wouldn't again say it's worse because if I had not gone through it, I wouldn't have learned because I learned a lot more things along with it. So no decision is bad, but if I had gotten the chance to do something or, or undo and redo something, I would have yes, hired a team upfront and mm. launched with them it, it's a you know you are your team right so it, it's a big strength to have that mm. no I I, I I can i i tend to agree and i think that that you know the hard thing is being an entrepreneur at least for me and i'll speak from my own experiences you know it's yeah. always you always think you <coughs> excuse me no, that's right. You always think you can do everything the best. You know, you, yeah. you're the one that needs to get it done because you'll do it the best. You'll get it done right. And it's always hard to bring on those team members, no matter how much value. And they can add a lot of value. They can yeah. grow the business. You can't ever get everything done. And you can stifle the growth if you all do it on your own. And yet it's so easy to, um, you know, not not bring on the team members either because you, you don't, you know, you feel like you don't have, you can't, you don't have the money or you think that you can do it best or it's going to take more time to train them than, and then, you know, than it's worth type of a thing. And I think yeah. that, you know, with that, um, the, you, you oftentimes hinder the company because you don't bring them on soon enough. So I think that's exactly. a good lesson to learn. And, you know, if yeah. you're to call it a mistake or at least a learning lesson. So yeah. now we jump to the second question, which is if you're to take, you know, take someone that's just getting to a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Um, I would just say, listen to your heart. Don't listen to people. I mean, people will always, always talk about you, right? And if you keep caring about what people think about you, you will never mm. be able to live a fulfilled life. Uh, and struggle takes, I mean, getting up a business takes time. And there is a lot of challenges. I wouldn't say struggle, a lot of challenges, but you're always learning. And you're learning many fold compared to what you would do in a business. Oh, sorry, in a job, right? Mm. So follow your heart, follow your conviction, because you, you're the person who knows why you, uh, you're the person who knows why you started the business in the first place. It's always good to pivot, right? And take mm. real feedback and change. I'm not asking you to be rigid, but I think if there's one thing you can be rigid about, it is telling people, Hey, I'm going to follow my conviction. I'm going to follow my heart so that if I mm. lead a life and fail, I, I can always get up and change course and be successful. But I never want to live with a regret that I didn't start in the first place, because I think that's the number one reason when people are on the deathbed, I, why did I listen to people more? And why didn't I listen to myself? Right. I would say, just listen to you. You have a short life. It's just mm. 60, 70 years of quality life. Go pursue your dream. That's the best thing you can do to yourself and for the community because you are creating something that will impact people. No, I, I think that's a, a, 
a, a great takeaway for people. And it's interesting, you know, I've been doing, I think we're on 120 or so episodes and probably the number one piece of advice in some form or fashion is just dive into it, get going, try it out. It, you know, you'll overcome a lot of fears and it'll be, you know, it'll, it's not as, it's not as bad as you think of your head and there's not as many risks and it'll be a lot, lot more enjoyable. So I think a lot of variations, but I think that that's always a great takeaway for people to, to take in or to take away and, and to get started on something. Well, as we wrap up, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, they want to connect up with you. They want to be, they want to use your services. They want to be an employee. They want to be an investor. They want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to reach out to you and connect up with you? Sure. So I think my email ID, which is jochika.goel at Get on the Raft, is the best place to start with. I'm also establishing a lot of social media presence, uh, which is in the works. But Mm. always, I would say reaching out personally on my email or on my LinkedIn uh, would be the best way to, you know, be in touch quickly and take the conversation forward. And there's also my website, which, uh, which people can visit if they have questions, but email, I think, is or my phone number, right? Phone number, I think, is the easiest way to get in touch. All right. And so maybe if you want, if you want to share either what your website is or what the email is so that people know where to reach out to you, that would probably be helpful to people. Sure. Uh, let me go about spelling it slowly because my <laughs> name is not a common name here in the U.S. So my email is R-U-C-H-I-K-A dot G-O-E-L, ruchika.goel at getontheraft.com. Get Perfect. on the Raft is also the name of my uh, website. So yeah, and yeah, I think that's the best way. All right. Well, perfect. Well, I certainly and people encourage people, whether it's email or going to the website or a combination of both, to check it out, use your services, and uh, find out more about you. So well, with that, appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been fun to have you on. Now, if you're a listener, if um, if you want to, uh, if you have your own journey to tell and you want to come on the podcast, feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com. Apply to be on the podcast. We always love to hear everybody's exciting journeys they take. If you're if you a listener as well and you want to make sure to click subscribe so you can get notifications as all new the new awesome episodes come out. And last but not least, if you ever need help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law um, by going to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Thank you again. It's been fun to have you on and uh, wish you the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you, Devin. It has been both a pleasure and an honor to be here. I wish you the best with your entrepreneurial journey and let's stay in touch. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of The Inventive Journey, make sure to go and check out Startups Magazine. They're an awesome uh, magazine and podcast centered over in the UK. And if the magazine is a digital and print magazine where they focus on um, tech startups and entrepreneurs, and they also have a focus on uh, female founders and women in tech. So if you want to check out their magazine, either digital or print, it's uh, Startups Magazine, Startups with an S, magazine.co.uk. And you can also look up their podcast, which is called The Serial entrepreneur so go check them out they're awesome and definitely if you like this episode you'll like them